Hello, everyone. Welcome to uh, the interview that uh, is the interview you've been waiting for. It is the interview where I interview myself. Look, this thing is hard. It's hard to get people to not sign up or to do this, but it's hard to find people to to do an episode. Um, you know, it's it's you know sort of hit and miss. Some people are nervous to get these things done and and be a part of you know I guess talking about it. It is I guess a daunting experience. But this is the episode where I've decided the best way to do it would be to interview myself, kind of like a lunatic. Those that know me know that I am a bit crazy, and uh, I would probably enjoy interviewing myself. Those that don't know me may think, wow, this is this is uh, cool. He's uh, really stepping out there. He's going to expose himself. He's going to you know, do one of those things where he shares with us who he is. So those that don't know me, hello, my name is Joe Robins. I have been uh, hosting and producing and editing this podcast now for a little while. Um, it's probably been a couple of months. Um I'm going to go through the format of the show. I'm going to kind of run it that way, but then I'm going to go into a bit of the questions that I get when I talk to people about being on the show or, you know, when they ask, you know, ask me about the show or when I'm just engaging in general in life and, and people want to know more about, you know, kind of what makes me tick and things of that nature. So really, uh, this is the point at which I'm going to pretend that I'm interviewing someone else, but I'm going to ask myself the questions. So uh, I guess, hey, Everybody, thanks for coming. Thanks for listening. I appreciate your time. Um, once again, my name is Joe Robbins, and I am just a 40-odd-year-old dude who grew up in a, the United States and has been living in Australia for close to, I guess, it's going to be 18 years. Well, it has been 18 years, nearly 19 years. I spent the first 20-odd years um, living across the United States. I was born and raised in a small town called... Uh, Haley, Idaho, uh, born in Sun Valley, Idaho, uh, all in the one big valley. Um, those that are from that town know that basically there's uh, what what about four places you're roughly going to live. Um, and I lived in a, a couple of those. Um, it's it's uh, for me, where I'm from is probably the greatest place in America. Um, but I'm sure anyone from America most likely would say that of their own hometowns if they did enjoy growing up there. Um, I am from uh, a ski resort, uh, one of the top five in the United States, and as a result had a, I guess, an incredibly diverse upbringing. Um, we had a lot of people from all over the world come to our town from the from a tourism perspective, and as a result we had stars and famous people alike that rolled through town and just wanted to be treated like normal people. Um, you know, they thrived off of, you know, the level of anonymity that they got from being there, and at the same time the locals uh, respected that, so it was pretty cool in that regard. I was just reminded the other day about when I first met Bruce Willis, not that I even know the guy, but the point is, is that I remember being with a buddy of mine. Um, and I want to say his name was Jake Coolidge. Um, he and I were at the top of the, of Bald Mountain, which was our local ski resort. And we were waiting and we saw, I want to say maybe my mom said, Hey, there goes Bruce Willis. He was off to go to the toilet. And me and my buddy were like, Oh my God. So we grabbed one of the local, one of the ski maps and we ran and we waited outside the toilet too scared to probably ask him. And I think it was pretty cool because I'd still vivid room, uh, vividly remember, uh, Bruce coming out and saying, Hey guys, uh, do you want an autograph? And he was, you know, pretty cool about it. He signed both of our things and sent us on our way. And, um, you know, ironically, 
um, you know, he, he weaved in and out of, um, my, my, mine and my family's lives for, you know, quite some time after that. Um, not a lot, but a little bit here and there. And, um, you know, it's, I got a lot of interesting stories about, you know, through my family about, you know, who he was in our town and all that sort of stuff, which was pretty cool. Outside of that, you know, we had Ernest Hemingway, uh, grow up, or uh, grow up, spend time and raise his family, uh, sort of in and out of there. Um, we had a monument to him, uh, in our town about, uh, various things. And so, yeah, again, there was this sort of interesting backstory, uh, to a lot of things about our town and what it meant to so many different people from around the globe. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it, I find it fitting that it is my backstory as well. Uh, I have no fame or fortune of any, of any merit, but the point is, is that my, my background, uh, is one of which where, you know, I grew up in a four season environment where uh, I got to do a lot of things. Um, outside of that, my family, uh, was uh, a divorced one, a broken home. My mom lived in Hawaii, so I spent my summers in Hawaii and I spent my winters in a ski resort uh, for many years. And when I was 12 years old, I traveled to Australia with my mom and we backpacked New Zealand and Australia for two and a bit months. Um, little did I know that um, much of my Australia trip would be later my life of where I would live. Um, and that is still quite uh, ironic to me when I am driving north to Newcastle or am in areas where I've been like, oh, crap, look, I've been here before. I remember being here when I was a kid and trying to remember the various little bits and pieces. I mean, we backpacked like hostels, uh, you know, proper backpacking and uh, there's nothing quite like what I do now. But in nevertheless, that experience was quite neat. And so was traveling through New Zealand and the North Island uh, at 12 years old with my mom. After that, she moved back to the mainland and, uh, you know, sort of the rest of my life was spent in Idaho uh, doing various, you know, just sort of regular old Idaho things. Um so that's sort of, you know, who I am, uh, you know, I guess where I'm from, uh, currently who I am, which is a whole different version of myself is a second time married. So I'm on my second wife and fortunately she is willing to stick, stick it out and, uh, pay, play the, uh, play the homage to the Joe show. Um, King Jojo rules over the kingdom, uh, the best he can. And, uh, my wife is doing a great job of just putting up with my shit, I guess, is really what I would say. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, a lovely woman, uh, you've all heard her in the first sort of interview, uh, doing the thing, being a part of it, supporting me, which she does well. I also have two sons, one of which you've heard from as well. I also have a younger son uh, who is less less likely to sit in a room and let me grill him. He plays his cards quite close. Um, so I've got the two boys, the the wife. I've got the ex-wife who I have a, a strong, you know a solid relationship. We're friends, uh, and she's got her partner, soon to be husband, who's a great guy. So all in all, I can't complain after all this time that I'm in a bad place. I'm actually in a good place, which is pretty cool. So all the things that I've been through up to this point have kind of led to be um, a stable environment uh, for my kids and for me and for my wife and all that good stuff. So, you know, that's sort of who I am and what, you know, where, you know, where I come from and where I am today. Um, I guess if there was a bit of gossip about me, for those that don't know me, would it be that I'm a giant nerd? Possibly. I mean, those that know me know I'm fairly nerdy. Um, could a bit of gossip be that, oh, could it be, I know, I think the, ner the nerdiest thing, uh, the, I think it's the level of nerdiness is the gossip. 
I think on the outset, many people don't think that I'd be as nerdy or assume that I'm not until they start to hear about this stuff that I'm up to. And then they're like, wow, that's super nerdy. I've got nerd depth. I think that's the problem. Um, you know, my level of nerdiness goes deep. Um, so I think that is what I will level with the gossip. Outside of that, I don't really think I'm pretty open book. So most people know anything about me uh, pretty straight up and down that way. Um, for a living, uh, gosh, this is... Uh, what do I do for a living? I mean, to be honest, I spin a lot of bullshit to people, uh, but in the right way. I, I mean that in the most positive way possible. Um, I think we all spin a lot of shit to do a job. <laughs> most of the time, we're just trying to figure out what it's supposed to be. I currently work for a company called IAG, which is an, uh, an insurance conglomerate in Australia, the biggest insurer in Australia. Um, building innovative new insurance products on a platform that I decided would had to exist to um, uh, be an insurance lifecycle platform in the cloud. I would say it's a good job. It's not a bad job. Uh, it's much like any other corporate job, unfortunately. So it has all of its uh, downsides and upsides. Um, I don't hate it. I don't love it. Um, I like the people that I work with. So when I think about what do I do for a crust, I've really started to think about the fact that uh, it's not just about, it's not this money-making thing and it's not this huge, let's climb some corporate ladder and, and dominate and be the top dog to make all the decisions because ultimately the responsibility for cash is just sort of always a trap um, that I'm not willing to take on that for, you know, anymore. I mean, I was thinking the other day about, you know, as you climb up the ladder, you get these titles and you take on these titles so that you can get paid more money. Um, but also, you also become the the company's patsy, if you will, or the scapegoat as you take on more responsibility for the cash. And so then ultimately what you're doing is, is you're going, oh, well, it all rests on my shoulder. And then, you know, if I think about this whole podcast and what it's about with like mental health and all that sort of stuff, it's like you're just killing yourself for money. Like it just gets a little out of hand. So, um, yeah, nevertheless, uh, I think what my ultimate sort of role in, in the workforce these days is uh, human coordination, um, understanding objectives and strategy, uh, agreeing to that, you know, short term, long term focus and organizing the humans to move down a path. Um, it always has a slant towards tech and, and a focus on development uh, because that's just sort of my wheelhouse is tech and, and nerdy sort of thinking and getting problems solved in that arena. But uh, fundamentally, what I do is, is I orchestrate people that have skills um, to gain outcomes and productively move down a path of completion of work. Um, and if I look back on my career of what I do, uh, that has effectively been what it is. If it isn't me doing the work autonomously, it's me working with groups of people to get it done. Um, and ultimately, then me working um, across a large number of people uh, with sort of a responsibility to a broader I don't know, group or hierarchy to deliver a thing. Um, so that's always been my deal. I thrive in a pressure cooker. Um, so, you know, the, the, the hotter it is in the kitchen, the, the more enjoyment I get out of my job. Um, and that was the case when I was doing a lot of live internet broadcasting. Um, so yeah, kind of getting that jolt back where I can, you know, it's, it's, it's always fun to kind of play with fire at work and, and push, push things hard and, and get things done. Um, so yeah, so that is sort of what do I do for a crust, uh, I guess as, as at a high level and a low level and a whole bunch all over the shop. Um, yeah, so that's, yeah, that's an interesting side note, I think, is that in the last couple, probably years, I've realized that bit about human coordination. Um, because I also coach ice hockey 
Um, and I get a lot of enjoyment from coaching groups of people that uh, reciprocate that. I think that's one of the big deals, uh, building teams, uh, working with teams and finding people's, uh, I guess, capabilities and skills and, and shining a light on them and helping them see what they're great at is something I like to do. Um, and I didn't realize exactly what that was or if there was ever a world where I could get paid to do that. But it seems that that's not management because I don't have any employees, but it's it's team design and team running, which I do do have a lot of respect and admiration for people that do that well um, and normally find that the greatest success stories revolve around a great design of a team and a great culture of team and things like that. So those are the things that I, I really get a lot out of um, and have realized I tend to focus a lot on in order to get the ultimate, I guess, gains, if you will. Um, so yeah, so that's sort of, uh, I guess the crust conversation, uh, you know, uh, it, it, it is, uh, I don't know. I find it boring, but maybe to others, it's an interesting story. Um, so then the other one is, is, uh, you know, I'll ask myself, Hey Joe, uh, would you say you're happy in your life? I would say I am. Um, and I know that I say that with a sort of tentative, uh, ending, um, you know, in asking people this question, I've reflected a lot about what this means to me as well. And I found that a lot of the commonality is true in the responses. You will be in that moment quite possibly happy, but there's always more that you're looking for. I don't know what happiness is. I think that's what my takeaway was. I mean, I get it. I get that I'm a happy person, um, but I also get low. And I think that's kind of one of the things that I... I leverage in order to gain perspective on when I know I'm in a good place or in a bad place in my head. Um, so I find that, you know, am I happy? Yes, I'm happy now. And I'm happy with the, the parts of the puzzle that I um, get to play with and, you know, that I, I am where I am. Um, I can't complain about my trajectory. Um, there's nothing about it that I would change specifically. I don't think that I would want to have changed anything in my past. So the decisions to this point are great. I don't think going forward I'm going to have, or sorry, I think going forward I don't know what it looks like. Uh, and that always leaves me in a state of like, well, what's next? Uh, what am I supposed to do? Um, and because I'm inherently a self-learner, I don't have a lot of sort of, um, I guess, guidance or mentorship coming from anywhere else. It's always kind of on me to to make decisions in my own from my own worldly view, which is not huge. It's moderate, but it's semi-narrow and it's based a lot on my dependency or dependence. Um, so <laughs> sometimes I feel trapped in my own skin that I don't have a lot of flex. And so sometimes when I think about if I'm happy, those sorts of things pull me down a little bit. And I feel like I'm stuck at times that I don't have a lot of room for wiggle to make, um, you know, brave choices, if you will, or radical changes. Um, but that's also uh, part of uh, my responsibility to take care of the the people in my life. And so in so having those people in my life, I am making decisions that reflect that. So sometimes I'm super happy. Sometimes I'm a little bit happy. I'd rather there be a different set of decisions I could make because I'd like more flexibility or I'd like to be able to not have the pressure to, to do some of the things that I have to do. But, um, you know, that isn't... Uh, 
that's more specific to career and more specific to income and things like that. Uh, you know, it's not about um, raising families and doing things like that. Um, that's the bits that I enjoy, you know, quite a lot. Um, I mean, sometimes it's a total pain in the ass having kids that you got to drive all over town, but that's just me complaining about being an adult uh, who has had children and doesn't want to do all the things. Um, and to be honest, I split it 50, 50. So what am I complaining about? Seriously? What am I complaining about? So, uh, yeah. So I guess, yeah. Happy. Yes. Uh, want more in life. Yes. Uh, wish I could have a different set of circumstances. Um, not in the sense of, will it make me happy just so that I have more mental freedom and space that would probably be a, a component of it. So there's that aspect of it, which I find, um, something I play with a little bit, hence doing a podcast, hence doing side project work where I come up with new things all the time that I want to potentially build and do. Those are all about driving for some level of happiness, uh, but more because I'm a madman who has an active brain that never shuts the fuck up and I have to feed that bitch all the time. So yeah, there you go. There's a string, a, a litany of curse words in order to describe my happiness in a very succinct and powerful way. Um, so, uh, yeah, I guess we'll dive into the whole, you know, what about this podcast and the questions that I get from people when I'm kind of talking to them about um, either being on the show or people are asking me why I'm doing it or when we talk about the podcast itself or what what's the angle or all that sort of stuff. And I've broken it down into a few questions. I've got about five of them. Um, not going to, I guess I'll only go as deep as I can without sounding like I'm rambling on and repeating myself. Um, but the first one that I always get is what, what is the podcast all about, right? So what is this podcast all about? Now, my sort of strap line is it's about your inner monologue and how you manage that uh, when faced with uh, life in general, you know, good, bad, or otherwise, you know, that uh, warden to your brain, uh, the, the, the one that keeps you moving, um, you know, how do you deal with that on a regular basis? And have you developed a set of tools that allows you to handle that? Or are you sort of stripped of any tools or have no tools and really struggle in that area? Um, for the most part, I've been picking people to come onto the show that I believe have a good set of tools in the toolbox and, and seem to operate well with life uh, in these sort of, you know, trials and tribulations that we all have in this sort of human condition that we deal with. Um, the reason um, I decided to tackle it from that angle is because I feel that over the, you know, the decades that I've been dealing with myself and, and you know, and I guess handling it, um, I've developed a set of tools that I find sometimes either resonates with people or uh, are new to people or I've found that others use and resonate, you know, kind of with me. Uh, that there is a silver lining in understanding your own mental uh, inner monologue and how to manage it because fundamentally you are stuck with yourself for the rest of your life. You know, you, you, you are the last person who says anything to yourself when the day you die. And I know that that's morbid as shit, but your inner mind is the thing that is the last to go when you go. And um, the only logical sense that I've made of it is, is that it's, it's sort of what you do when you're here that matters. Um, outside of that, it's all just a shake of the dice, right? A uh, big old gamble. You never know what the outcomes of what your decisions are going to be specifically. Um, but yeah, you are you are with you for the rest of your life. Um, and it's those moments where you have to deal with yourself that I think make you who you are. Um, so when I said you know, to myself, well, Joe, you're doing this thing with people all the time where you're talking to them. 
why couldn't you do this, you know, in a podcast? Because I've been listening to a lot of podcasts and I just thought, you know, the best way for people, and I feel like the best way that people deal with things these days is by hearing how others do it, reflecting, and then either having the cognition to say, oh, well, that's me or that's not me or that's how I do it, I don't do it, and then making changes or not making changes or at least getting validation that that's a common practice. And if at least 60% of the population operate on that way, then it's worth talking to people about these things, sharing the stories of how people move through these things or just how people's lives are constructed. And then with the hopes that that 60% of the population or whatever that listened to this would then benefit from the information. And then you know, either make some small tweaks or radical changes or get the validation they require to keep moving forward in a productive way. Um, and that's what that's all about. The, the podcast is about that. Um, the other tidbit is, is that, and I don't know if you have or have not noticed in your life that every so often you get the realization that you're not alone that the decisions or the problems or the the things that you've been through, whilst you thought you were the only one on the planet that that happened to, you will eventually have a light shine on someone else that says, oh, they did the, they had the same problems or they're 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 in the same world of pain or they're in the same you know world of decisions that I had to go through. Oh, I'm not alone. And that realization uh, that you know everybody has the same shit going on roughly and ultimately every just everyone just wants to get home for dinner um you know is is the thing that kind of went well hold on uh, you know is that is that really it you know is that the the light bulb moment that i need to go all right you know what you're talking about with people generally speaking people come up to you and or you'll be in conversation with people where you'll say things and they'll resonate uh and if everybody kind of feels the same way, then why not talk about it so that everyone can benefit from it? And I guess that's sort of a roundabout way of saying that that is why, you know, other than some of the detail, why I did the podcast. Um, you know, can we not just all get along? No, that's not it. Uh, why can't we all just leverage each other to learn more about who we are so we can be better people? Because at the end of the day, I, I just want better people. You know, I want better humans on the planet. I don't like the zombie apocalypse in front of us of just the uh, mindless operators that just walk around uh, doing what they're doing. I mean, seriously, people put your phone away when you're walking down the street. You know, like we do we really need to watch TV or read a book while we're walking down the street? Do we do we need that? And I don't think we do. I think we can put our phones away long enough to get to where we need to go. And by all means, if you need to use your phone whilst you are in the streets, walking around, doing what you got to do, then pull over. I mean, man, like this is like driving cars. Like now when I'm on the sidewalk, I feel like I'm driving a car. You know, if I walk into, like, let's just take for a second, sorry, rant time. That, that an average phone nowadays that people are walking around in their hands costs between $1,000 and $2,000. That's a lot of money, right? And you're on the hook in a contract for multiple years, and now even almost three years on the hook, to have this device. And if you crack the screen, there's 500 bucks if you didn't pay for the insurance or whatever for it. So then all of a sudden, you know, you're walking around the street, you're not paying attention to anybody, you're acting like you're the only person on the middle of the sidewalk with this $2,000 device in your hand held out in front of you and you do a quick turn and bump into somebody, that thing falls on the ground. Whose fault is it? 
Like who do you blame the person that you were that was just walking down the street? No, this is like highway rules. This is road rules all of a sudden, because now all of a sudden when I turn, you know, if I was in a car and I did that and I turned into traffic, you know, into two lane road and just pulled out in front of a car and that car hit me, whose fault is it? Well, ultimately, it's your fault because you didn't look. So now when we're on a sidewalk and we're walking around with our phones in our hands and we're not paying attention, I feel like the same rules apply. You know, you should be accountable for your behavior when you are operating a phone. And that is the end of that rant. Um, Put your damn phones away, people. We do not need them in our faces 24-7. Seriously. And you can get down the street without watching TV or reading a book. Get to your place of uh, you arrive at the place you're trying to get to faster and sit down and do it there. My God, this is crazy. I mean, we need signs to tell people to, to look on the street now so they don't get hit by a car because they're using their phone. A sign. Did you even see the sign when you were looking at your phone? Probably not. Okay, breathe. Anyways, I'm over it. So again, that that is why, uh, which is question two, why am I doing this podcast? You know, I'm concerned about my kids. I'm concerned about society. I'm concerned about a number of things where I feel like there's a deterioration of the human condition even further as a result of uh, false inform- you know, false, false positives coming in through your phone or your social media. You know, you can put yourself and paint yourself any way you want and mask the reality of who you are to everyone on the planet on a regular basis. You do not need yet another tool to validate and trick the brain into thinking that you are okay chemically or that you're not okay chemically because you can then peruse um, your Facebook feed or your Instagram feed for, you know, a world of, um, you know, confirmation or non-confirmation that you're okay. And I know that that sounds somewhat crazy, but, you know, let's take for, for a second that, you know, if, for instance, I'm not feeling good about who I am as a person, and then all I'm doing is following a bunch of people who are on Instagram who are fake and just posting how great they are and how wonderful their lives are and how they have to do to just continue operating that way, you know, will that not just continue to push me down the hill that I don't have what I have in life, that chemically I'm not going to get whatever going to get there, and then therefore, you know, I'm going to just keep getting depressed about it. I mean, it's out there. This is happening to people, you know, let alone the fact that there's all this sort of, I guess, bullying that happens via the internet to not just younger people, but older people. And people kill themselves as a result of that pressure and that feeling. You know, everybody has the same set of problems, roughly speaking, that they don't think they're good enough or that they're not where they need to be in life. Now it's exacerbated by a world where you can go in and browse how great it is for somebody else. But in reality, they're faking it. And I would say that there's maybe one to 5% of those people who are actually legitimately giving you 100% of who they are, the rest are modifying it so that they look great, so that everybody buys in and pays for their stuff. You know, it's all a gambit to make cash, right? So if that's the case where the, the machine that we use to make ourselves feel good is potentially hugely fake and that the things on there are geared to manipulate you to be who you need to, to get a result, not be who you need to be, but to manipulate you into a result. And that result is to like a thing, to vote for a thing, to do a thing, to take an action, to buy a thing, all that sort of stuff. Um, and that you, no matter where you go, you cannot hide, you know, then all of a sudden, you know, you really need to think twice about what is this device doing to me? 
you know, it used to just be commercials on TV, right? And, you know, we'd have all the commercial television selling you things, telling you that you need all this stuff. And then when, you know, TiVo came out and ads were getting stripped and then everybody freaked out about that, then it was, all right, let's place all this shit inside of the TV shows so that influence kicks in. And so that the TV show then becomes a thing whereby, you know, you go, oh, I need that cereal because it was in Seinfeld's cupboard. Or, oh, I need that device because it was on the Big Bang Theory. Or, oh, I need this because it's there that person's using it right it created it paved the way for influence you know and now influencers are everywhere um you know just blindly telling you how great things are without using it and it's rare that you actually can legitimately go oh that must be a good product you know now my cynicism drives me and and that i don't like it so the why for the podcast is i don't like the reality that's being paved in front of us for um consumption i think mental health is a massive deal and it's a mo- it's a muscle we all need to work on and if you're not working on your your mental health and your in de- in managing that inner monologue you know it's a, ca- a catastrophe waiting to happen you know my dad's got PTSD and um, you know I grew up in a world where I didn't know he had it uh, and it wasn't until I moved to Australia that I that it became a thing that he had said to me that this is a thing and you know he called me and he was stuttering and it was insane right it was just this really um, it, it was a vulnerable moment for him and it was a very revealing moment for me uh, and it was raw and it was real and I had to kind of face it and continue down the path I was on. Um, it didn't feel good moving away from him, but at the same time, it felt good for me to move away from everything. Um, and I wasn't necessarily running away from my life. I'd already done that. I thought I had found... And I'm sure that I would look up my life now and say I'd found at least the safety of a family to be a part of and that they accepted me and I was a part of all those things because I'm still part a lot a part of that now. Um, but mental health was, um, you know, and the the damage in, in someone's mental health was a constant in my life for most of my life and many from, I think, at least three of my parents, right? Um, you know, so for me, having a strong mental health muscle is very important and knowing what that looks like. Um, you know, my stepmom actually committed suicide as a result of, well, I don't know, could I call it suicide? I mean, she did, she was an alcoholic and she drank herself to death. I can only imagine that it was a level of sort of suicide as a result, but, um, I don't think you would call it a suicide. She died as a result of drinking, but, um, but her mental health was all over the place too. Um, you know, and I've got two sisters who, whether or not they listen to this, they're not in a good place. Um, you know, it's weird because one of the things that always comes back to me is, is that my mental, for like all the things that have happened in my life and my family, I'm the only one, I'm air quoting, that turned out okay. I didn't turn out okay. I'm, a, I'm, I'm messy too, um, but I tend to have a good set of tools. And so that was the other aspect of this. If, you know, I have a good set of tools and I always am the one that seems to be kind of in the position to help others to combat um, their own problems and help them down the path, then why couldn't I use that, those skills to then help others by making a podcast to do that, um, you know, and then combating the idea that we also have a toxic world that's kind of in, invading via our phone. This whole thing is really about, you know, just kind of just putting shit down, taking a look at yourself, looking in the mirror and having a chat, you know, that's what this is about. You know, can you have the courage to dig into who you are as a person, admit your faults, admit your crap and really 
move forward? You know, can you recognize when you do good things? Can you even see that? You know, and um, and I think it's important to to call these things out and do it. The theory I had was, or that I have still, is is that we all have that thing going on in our head that only you know about. You know, you know who you are and what your problems are. And I, I th- I'm confident that everybody has that going on. But what we also know is we know what no one else knows about who we are. We know when people have the wrong idea about us. We know when, I don't know, for lack of better description, we're bullshitting too much on something and we don't like the denial engine that we have going to say that what we're doing is okay or whatever. And so the theory and the, the, the theory I have on this is, is that when you get that thing out, that, that thing you don't like about yourself or that thing that isn't working out onto the table to in front of someone you know and trust and care and love or whatever, that because it's out, you immediately are accountable for it, the change of it, because you can no longer hide. You know, you can, it's easy to hide from yourself, to yourself, from yourself. That sounds crazy saying it out loud, but it's very easy with denial to do that. And sometimes a little bit of denial is good. You know, you could be a little intense and a little bit of denial will kind of level that out a little bit, you know, all right, whatever. I'm a little intense. And, you know, maybe that's not really the case, you know, some, you know, and so, I mean, you know, that's okay, but complete denial over whether or not you have a problem, you know, for lack of a description, alcoholics or drug addicts or whatever, right? Like that's proper denial and like continued behavior and, and a downward cycle. You know, we all have these sort of patternistic behaviors and some people don't, and that's cool. Um, but everybody's got a little bit of crazy. And and so getting that out on the table and then working through that with somebody you can trust is a, a massive moment at which you can evolve as a person. Um, you know, pretending that you're fine normally is the worst medicine, I think. Sometimes, it, you know, the best thing you do is to say to someone you trust, I am not okay. And to walk that out, you know, they, a little bit of um, a little bit of help will get you a long way. So I think um, my theory is is by having conversations with others who have a good toolbox of tools to deal with this stuff will help others tackle these ideas and tackle these sorts of moments and really drive for um, you know gosh self help, um, but an evolution in oneself to become the thing they're trying to get to, to shed themselves of the baggage that's holding them back and to move them along the path, which is their life. Um, so in a semi-succinct way, that is why I'm doing the podcast. Um, also because I'm crazy and I'm still wondering if anyone agrees with me. <laughs> Just as a side note, uh, if you agree with me, uh, let me know. That would be cool. Um, I, I, kind of going down a path thinking that I'm I've got it figured out but um but I'm also a total imposter in this. I have no idea if I've got it figured out. It just feels good. Uh it feels right. And I uh I'm hoping others agree that uh that 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 is the case. Um the other question I get asked is do you enjoy doing the podcast? Um in a short answer, I fucking love it. It's fun. I like talking to people. I like to find out who people are. I enjoy asking people questions. I like to poke people in the right way to spruik some sort of more dynamic conversation. And that is something I've always done. I could not think of anything better to do with my time than sit down and get to know a fellow human. That I enjoy that. That is something I like to do. And I also like to take my crazy brain, wrap it around people's problems and think about them and and come up with in innovative ways of dealing with their issues. Um, I am quick to respond when I think I get it and I'm a very 
very patient person who listens to people. And I think that in the the nine podcasts I've done in my interviews, um, that has been the case. Sometimes I talk a lot. Sometimes I talk very little. And, um, you know, I think that I have a, a capability that I'm trying to tap into uh, where I can where I can do interviews. And I think that that's something I'm good at. I enjoy it. Uh, and so, yeah, do I enjoy this thing? I hell, hell yes, I do. And on top of this, I get to play with a lot of tech and, you know, do things that I've enjoyed in the past, which is audio recording, uh, editing things, uh, thinking about content creation, thinking about, you know, the way which, um, you know, the beats happen inside of things, you know, just enjoy doing these sorts of projects. So yeah, this is a lot of fun for me. And, um, I hope that comes across to you guys when I'm doing these things. Uh, I have, um, what I think is a bit of the Joe show. Um, it can be a whole nother world of intensity for some people. And I enjoy sharing that with people. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, this is fun for me. So yeah, I do enjoy it. The bit I don't enjoy, and I don't know if it's about not enjoying it. It's just asking and chasing people. I mean, that's like not fun. I feel like I'm a, I'm a real hassle uh, or a pain in the ass. Um, I know that I don't think people think that, but it does. I feel like I'm a pain in the ass by bugging people to be on my show, which I don't know why I feel that way. I think it's the imposter part. Um, you know, I'm not some established things. So I think I hold the bar too high for myself and blah, blah, blah. That's just who I am. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the part I, I kind of like, I, I wish I just had, you know, in, in the ultimate world, I just wish I had, uh, a queue of people that just want to do it. And I just chomp through it. Um, you know, maybe a couple of weeks and then I can just publish them. Um, but that is not the case. <laughs> I don't think I know enough people to continue to do this forever. So then I'm gonna have to figure out how to do this later. So that, that's the sort of, bit I, uh, I struggle with, uh, with this. So I guess a little bit of truth on the table, uh, a little bit more accountable in that regard. Um, but do I, yeah, I, I still enjoy it, uh, chasing and doing this show anyways. Um, another one that I've been asked is, uh, have I learned anything from doing this podcast? Look, I've learned a lot of things. I, uh, I've learned that one, I enjoy it. Uh, we just talked about that. And if you weren't listening or you blipped out there, I do enjoy doing this podcast. So there you go. Um, another thing that I've learned is, is that, you know, people can be a little bit, um, peculiar. Is that the word peculiar? Yes. Peculiar about how they'll perceive an interview or being interviewed. They think it'll be revealing or that I'm going to do some sort of weird digging underneath the surface or what have you, or they just don't know what's going to happen in this thing where we're going to talk about the mind. And so that's been a funny thing. I, I, I think people, you know, some people are a little nervous, some people are not. Um, so all in all, I, I find that I've learned that how I approach um, the pitch on why to be on the show or why to be an interviewee, you know, is, um, you know, it's kind of matters a little bit. Uh, I have to do a lot of explaining to get people sometimes to be more comfortable um, uh, and sometimes not at all. Uh, but I think that's also the character of the person and the nature of what they how they perceive their own self and, and that inner monologue bit. But I think the thing that I've learned is that people are pretty nervous about talking about their inner monologue and who they are. Um, that's definitely a learning and, and um, you know, that, that's something I'm taking away as, you know, Hey, you know, it's okay. Everybody, we all have the similar set of problems. We're all dealing with ourselves in a very similar way. You know, just cause you think you have a unique set of problems doesn't mean you're alone. Um, so let's all just kind of kumbaya the shit out of this and have some fun together and, uh, you know, really throw some shit on the table and see what sticks. Right. So that's, that's a thing I've learned. Uh, another thing I've learned is, is that, um, you know, when you interview somebody, 
it is an intimate experience and and you get to know somebody in a different way and that there's always this sort of you know uh really comfortable pause at the end where you know you kind of say well that was good you know and i enjoyed that and i get to know you better one of the things i'm really bad at though is is maintaining friendships i've realized over my life that i'm not good at this stuff um so in a really weird uh, i would say oh geez you know self-indulgent way this is a way for me to maintain friendships as well to revisit people to come back around and and catch up um, that's kind of what I've been using it for as well as getting to know people a little bit more as well as, you know, leveraging what I believe people's capabilities are to share and things like that. So in a weird way, um, you know, I've learned that, you know, I am bad or I've at least had to admit that I'm bad at being a friend and maintaining friendships. Um, and, uh, you know, and I know a lot of people. So it's been one of those things that I've learned that this has been a real nice way to kind of reconnect with people and and, um, and talk to them again, um, bring them back into my lives, see where they're at and see what they're doing. And, um, you know, at least just try to do more than what I've been doing, which is pretty much zilch with a lot of people. So sorry, everybody. I feel bad about that, just so we're all aware. Um, another thing I learned is, is that when I interviewed my son, that... I actually opened up a door, I think, between us that I don't think it was shut or it was never unavailable. But all of a sudden, um, you know, there was a, a door of respect or at least a handshake of respect that kicked through that, you know, um, he and I now have, you know, again, I know that I did this a few weeks ago with him, but I can feel a massive difference in our relationship. And that that has been something that I did not think would happen um, I, or I didn't see happening. Um and also, to be honest, I think I was a little bit blind to where I thought I was in his influence. Um, but now I feel like I'm a little bit more influential to him, that there's a lot more trust. And that's been really neat. Um, and it's warmed my heart a lot that he's, you know, he's been uh, <laughs> he's been touched <laughs> in his own way by having a long conversation with his dad. <laughs> um, look, that's mushy and weird and all that sort of stuff. But it's been cool. Like, I... I, uh, my greatest regret, one of my greatest regrets is the fact that I have not been a full-time dad to them. And that has, that has been a massive pain in my life that I have not got to have that with them. Uh, I've done as much as I possibly can in the, the context of what I've agreed to do as a father, but you know, I didn't have kids so that I could be there as Disneyland dad. Um, I had kids so that I could be there every day and shape and mold them and, and make them into the humans that I think they can be. And, um, and I've look, I'm going to say that I've missed out, uh, which I have. Um, but at the same time, I haven't missed out. And so whatever, it's really messy. But I think the point is, is that, um, I want more, uh, and I regret the fact that I have not had more. And I guess in a way, what I'm saying is that by interviewing him and spending that focused time with him, I think I've gotten a little bit back and that's been pretty cool for me. It's made me feel good about it. Um, and I know that we have a good relationship and I, I'm sure that this door was still already open, but it feels like it's, it's easier to get in and out there and that he and I can have, um, real conversations about stuff that I know he may not want to talk about, but he'll circle back around. You know, we had one on the weekend where he's, I just don't want to talk about it. And I just kind of said, look, mate, a little bit of respect, right? You know, I am who I am and you know, this is, this is us and this is mine and your thing. And you know, and he, and I said, I left it. And then he kind of goes, look, he came back to me, you know, within a couple of minutes, you know, he kind of got there and wanted, we worked through it and, um, we solved a lot of shit, you know, and I don't think we would have gotten there in the past. I think we would have left it, 
Um, because, you know, as you get older and you know, all that sort of stuff, he's going down his own path, but, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm one of his greatest fans, you know? And so in being one of those great supporters and fans, I won't, you know, I feel like I have a role And anyways, I've learned that, you know, I've actually made changes as a result of interviewing him, uh, and, in, in who he is. And I think how he sees who he is a little bit. Um, I don't think he's listened to the podcast of himself, which has been great. <laughs> I don't know if he will, but, uh, yeah, it's been cool. Um, and the other thing I've learned uh, is, is that, um, I have passion for things. And when I get passionate about things, I know that there's a pattern in me of trying a lot of stuff out, but when I'm passionate about a thing, I look forward to doing it. And I don't have, I'm not going to say a lot of those things, but you guys, I feel like as I've gotten older, I've lost track of what I'm passionate about, um, or that those things become fewer and far in between. And this has given me a lot of passion to do a thing. Um, so yeah, so then there's, there's that as well, you know, so that's something I've, uh, I've uh, learned as well. So those are just a few of the things that I've, I guess I've taken away from doing and having this experience. Um, you know, obviously I've learned how to podcast and all these other like sort of uh, skills and all that, um, you know, kind of getting back into doing cool things like that. But, um, you know, it's been a good experience and I'm continuing to learn. I'm trying to be very open about who I am and, and what I'm up to. Um, so yeah, so, you know, it'll, it'll be fun to continue to go down this path and see what comes of it. Um, you know, the last question I get asked, uh, you know, not so often, but you know, every so often is, is, you know, is this hard? Um, you know, specifically the whole setting it up and doing it and making it all happen. Look back to my admission of, uh, the gossip. I'm a massive nerd. You know, I'm the kind of guy that will figure out how to include a buddy of mine in Hong Kong in a in a home poker game so that he can play as if he's in the room. Um, you know, and I and I have a massive tech background, so I'm that guy that will figure that out and do that. And I did do that for many games where he felt as though he was part of, you know, being with his old mates back home whilst he lived uh, overseas and, you know, continued down his path. That is who I am. Uh, I love a hard puzzle. And this is not necessarily the hardest of puzzles, but it is a hard puzzle and something that I got to figure out. I got to figure out how to market this thing, to grow it, to make it work. I mean, there may be a time I pulled a pin on it. You know, I tried to do a vlog in the past, you know, and I got, you know, sort of some popularity, some people following me and wanted more of my content, um, you know, but at the same time, it was a grind. It was hard to get it done on a regular basis. And then, you know, as soon as you have one big life change, you know, all your focus goes away and you move somewhere else. So for now, um, you know, this isn't hard. This is something I'm doing and I want to continue to do on a regular basis. You know, the hardest part about it is knowing whether or not people enjoy it. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know broadly speaking if people enjoy it. I know in a very small way that people enjoy it. Um, but you know, broadly speaking, I wouldn't know if this is successful or not. Um, but I do know that in time, if I continue that I may find out if it is. So I guess there's that, you know, that's the hard part. Do I continue? Do I keep pushing? Uh, you know, and that's the big one. So, you know, that's kind of it. Those are the questions I've asked of myself. Um, that is the interview of Joe interviewing Joe. Joe, Joe. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this one. It's not the same as uh, before, but I do have uh, more people lined up to do actual interviews in the weeks to come. Uh, I just didn't for this weekend. Uh, I got a lot going on and it was my kid's weekend and hence the late drop and all that sort of stuff. But um, I hope you enjoyed it. I appreciate everyone who is participating in this experiment I'm calling my podcast. And uh, yeah, I think I actually have an interview I did on another podcast coming out soon. I'm not sure when it'll it'll actually happen. 
Um, but you know, it, it's coming at some point. The guy's uh, been chasing me for bio information and all that sort of stuff. I've, um, I've also started another podcast with another person, uh, about an ice hockey, uh, in-house league that they've got running, which has been a lot of fun. It's a whole different format. Uh, if you're interested in that, let me know. I can always uh, shoot you an, an, an ice hockey sport related one. Um, and if you know of other people, uh, that are interested in this type of stuff, please send me their details uh, if they want to be interviewed. If you know of people that would be interested in listening to this kind of stuff, please forward my podcast to them. That would be helpful too. Uh, and again, if you are enjoying it so much so you're willing to put your name to it, uh, please go to iTunes and uh, like and leave a comment. That would be massive. Uh, I've sort of stalled out at six uh, five-star ratings. I'm happy if you give me a four or a three. Put the honest feedback up there. I mean, it's a way for me to get it. Um, I don't need you to polish my ego. I just need to make sure I'm moving down a path. And if there's anything I know, um, any feedback, honest, uh, it, you know, it, the most honest feedback is the best feedback I can get, which means I can make the changes uh, uh, that I need to to make this more, I guess, uh, digestible to anyone who's listening. So in saying that, I say thank you. I appreciate your time and I will talk to you guys again throughout the week and the week after and the week after and the week after and the week after and the week after. See you guys. Bye.